Hello, welcome to Let's Talk Torah. My name is Shel Wagner. So glad you came to join me today. It is July 27th of 2022. And we're talking about the uh, Besserah portion today. And the, the whole Parsha is Ikev or Akav. Right. And um, so good morning, everyone. Good morning, Rin. Good to see you. Good morning, Lee. Good to see you. Good morning, Kat. Good to see you. Uh, James just did a fabulous uh, mercy poured forth. That was really good. I was enjoying it. Um, let me go ahead and add to the screen what I've got. So our our tour portion, which um, Brother Lee is going to be going through in full, starts this week uh, with the verse uh, from Deuteronomy 7.12. I was just kind of looking at this to look at the whole name of it. It says, wherefore it shall come to pass. And then this word, if, was the one that was translated into a kev or a kov. Okay, when you, when you look it up, just depending on how you pronounce it. Uh, let me hide that. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. So what's he saying here? Wherefore it shall come to pass if ye hearken unto these judgments and guard and do them that Yahweh Eloheka shall guard unto you the covenant and the mercy which he swore seven oaths unto your father. We are really starting to see that quite a bit. So this whole phrase where it shall come to pass is Hayah. And then the if is the akov, and then ye hearken is shima, which means to hear and obey. Okay, so this hayah that it shall come to pass, it's that's kind of what I'm gonna zero in on today. It's something about instituting or establishing something, and I think that you're really gonna be able to see that in this Bessara portion. Okay, so that was really what I wanted to concentrate on that. So the, the major theme that I see in this portion is let's help a brand new generation get ready to possess the land that the former generation was too afraid to possess because they did not believe and trust and that Yahweh would fight for them and, and help them and, and be their defense and be the one to establish his word. You know, they were looking at their own ability to make this happen. And if we look at our own ability to make anything happen, we're not, we're going to realize we are not equipped, right? We're not in ourselves. And that's the problem. If we look at us to carry out something, we know we can't do it. But if we look at his promises, and this is why our faith is so important. It's all about looking to him and believing what he said. That's that's the faith. All right. So the new uh, the the portion out of Bessarah, the out of the um, Bessarah that corresponds to this, according to you know what what we've been following to pull these portions is um, the work of Dr. Stephen Pigeon, where he put this together in the Yom Kadesh. And that's where we've been pulling this from. So a lot of people have a lot of different, you know, opinions on that, but that's where, where we're, what we're following for right now. So it says a new commandment in John 13, 31 is where we're starting. 
Now, what's interesting, and I I did want to just share this. Hi, Tammy. Good to see you. Hi, James. You did a great job this morning. I really appreciated that. Um, What, you know, when I started to look at this, I thought, gosh, what preceded this, you know, because we've got a therefore, just like the other, um, the the portion out of Deuteronomy, it starts and it shall come to pass. It's like, you know, something's already been going on and now here's where we're at now, right? So what was going on just prior to this in John? What was going on is Yahusha had shown himself to be how to be a leader. And it was by serving his disciples, all 12 of them. He washed their feet. Now, what I found so interesting about this is I never had really considered it before, because when you're reading in John 13, Yahushua washes their feet. He has this discussion with Peter because Peter's like, I don't want you to do that. And he says, I must do that if you are to be clean. Right. And and then Peter's like, oh, well, then wash me head to toe. And he's like, no, that's not necessary. What I need to do is wash your feet. To me, it's almost like, you know how the high priest every day had to go and remove the ashes of yesterday. It's almost like that every day, how we, you know, we review our day with Yah and, and ask him to, you know, did I do anything that, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done? Is there something that I, you and I need to straighten out before I go and try to get a good night's sleep. You know, is there anything I need to talk to you about? Would you like to correct me on anything, you know, to have that kind of a conversation with our master before we go to sleep and we're going to sleep a lot better after we do. Right. (laughs) You know, but it's the same thing that the high priest had to do every day is he had to go and remove those ashes from yesterday. And Yahusha is our high priest. So I noticed that conversation where he's washing the feet, you know, and then he's, he's talking to Peter about that. And then what you notice is that he is then partaking of the Pesach. And he talks about the fact that he is just about to be betrayed by one of them. Right. And they're all, well, who is it? Who is it? And he says, the one who uh, dips with me. And it says, as soon as Judas Iscariot took that morsel, because you know how we're cautioned, don't eat this Pesach meal unworthily. And, and Judas Iscariot, it says the minute that he put that morsel in his mouth, that Hasatan himself entered into him right? He had already decided what he was going to do, but he had, the action was not put in motion until he ate the Pesach meal unworthily. Wow. And what had just preceded this? Yahusha, knowing what was about to happen, had washed that man's feet. That just blew me away. When I really stopped and thought about that, I was like, wow. Okay. So this is what's happening as we come to the therefore. Now let's start with this with this portion. So John 13, 31. Therefore, when he was gone out, Yahushua said, now is the son of Adam glorified and Elohim is glorified in him. If Elohim be glorified in him, Elohim shall also glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me. 
And as I said unto the Yahudim, whether I go, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my Talmudim, if you have love one to another. So we see how we figure out, you know, this is the first fruit that we're looking for. And, and, and this is not to say that we don't need to give people grace. You know, most of us come in so bloodied, so wounded, so hurting that we were not capable of even loving ourselves yet. And we're just trying to wrap our brain around the fact that, that yeah, just like what James just showed in, in mercy poured forth that scene from the chosen that Yah would call us by name. You know, Matthew knew he, he was hated by everyone for his choices. He knew he'd made bad choices for gain, you know, and yet he hears Yah call him by name and he's willing to leave all that behind because he's so relieved to begin a walk with the master. Yet you can see all the other disciples still judging him because of what his lifestyle had been. This is where we've got to get the same love that Yahushua had for each other. And, and there is a difference in someone who is brand new to this walk that still has a lot of issues to work with other than someone who is long, well into this path. You know, we have to sharpen that discernment. We have to be able to tell where someone's really at. And, and it's our relationship with Yah that helps us to have his insight on these types of matters so that we can be of maximum use in his kingdom. Because if he didn't give us that insight and that ability to flow with his Ruach and with his mind and his thoughts and his viewpoints, I mean, we would just be fodder for the enemy, right? We have to be able to have that kind of a discernment to be effective ministers in his kingdom. All right. So he says, love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my Talmudim, if you have love one to another. Okay, so then what happens? Shimon Kepha said unto him, Adonai, whither do you go? I mean, they just had no idea, even though he'd been trying to tell them. And, and, and we would not have been any different in this situation. Because flesh and blood is flesh and blood through all eternity. We always think, well, we wouldn't have been the ones murmuring out in the wilderness, longing back for Egypt. Yeah, we would have. Yeah, we would have been crying out for, you know, the leeks and the onions and the comforts and the uh, people are people, right? And we all have these shortcomings and, and we're all short-sighted. Every one of us, it's very difficult to get our minds onto the path, you know, to give up our thoughts and opinions on things, right? And leave those alone and to begin to develop the mind of Yahushua because it says our flesh and our mind were contrary, you know, where we think contrary to the kingdom principles. Our, our flesh and, and fleshly mind does not work in that way naturally. It is a supernatural thing. 
that Yah himself does for us once we're in relationship with him. Okay, so Shimon Kepha said unto him, Adonai, whither do you go? Yahushua answered him, whither I go, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. Kepha said unto him, Adonai, why cannot I follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. I mean, he loved him. He did, right? And Yahushua answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Amen, amen. I say unto you, the cock shall not crow till you have denied me thrice, three times. Now there, you know, I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. There was no chicken yard next to the temple. <laughs> that would not have been happening. I have chickens. They can be disgusting. There was no chicken yard there. All right. So the cock crowing in the midst where the temple was, was a man who walked throughout the night to cry out what time it was. Right. It, it was it was a timekeeping position from what I understand. And it was done by a man. It certainly was not a rooster. OK, so that's what they call an idiom, you know, a Hebrew idiom. And I'm going to I'm going to look at doing some more teaching on idioms so that we can begin to recognize Hebrew idioms. OK, I'm, I'm working on that. So here in John 14, one says. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in Elohim, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So I really wanted to look this morning at what is this word place, right? We've, we've looked at it like from mansions and, and different things and different studies. But let's look at this word place. Okay. So when I looked it up in the Strong's, it is G5117. This is a Greek word, meaning it says topos. And when I looked it up, it is a spot in space that has limited occupancy. That's the place. Now, why? I mean, it was really interesting to me when I was reading, um, yesterday out of four Ezra. Um, when you look at chapters four through seven, this these places, this place is described in detail, you know, of what's going on. What is the 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 narrow gate? Where is it leading to the narrow road, the path, the way? And what's the alternative to that place? There is a broad place <laughs> right? That has had to be absolutely expounded called hell. And it's explained in that. So if you, if you have those books, go read that. And if, if you don't have that book in hand, that is available on eSword. Let me just open my eSword for a minute so I can tell you where it is, um, which type of uh, version. I believe it's this TS. Let me look here. Is this where it's at? No, it's not that one. That one does good on the names. Um, I think it might be this one. Nope. Hold on. I'll find it for you. I want y'all to know where it's at because I like to um, 
share that kind of information. Here it is, the KJV with the Apocrypha. See it right here, you can see it. There's, in the Sefer, this would be called uh, Ezra 3 and Ezra 4, you know, fourth, third Ezra and fourth Ezra. But here they call it Ezdras. But in and, and this book, Tobit, that um, Kat was talking about on our program yesterday, and Judith uh, Nita had taught on, um, or, or was it Kat? Kat had taught on that one before at one of our women's meetings, and the Maccabees. So they don't have everything here, but there's a lot. There's wisdom, there's Sirach, there's Baruch. This is all free. There's no charge for this. So I just wanted you guys to realize that you could look this up. Hi, Jennifer. Good to see you this morning. Hi, Becky. Good to see you this morning. All righty. So in my father's house are the many mansions. So it is topos, a place, a spot in space that has limited occupancy. Now I love, I have a, um, I, I use a study um, site called studylight.org where you can look for in in your Greek words, you can find uh, Hebrew equivalents. In your Hebrews, you can find Greek equivalents so that we can start matching scriptures to scriptures. Because to me, all of, um, I believe that the, that the entire Besorah was originally written in Hebrew. It was written by Hebrew people that spoke Hebrew. <laughs> Right. So it only makes common sense. But through the ages, things have been changed and, and we lose things in translation. But I also believe that almost all of the Besorah is a commentary that points back to the scriptures of what's considered the Tanakh or the Old Testament or even the lost books of the Bible that have been removed through different canonization processes throughout time. Right. So it's good to start going, okay, what matches what? What was this commentary? Because without being able to match some of these things that are being said and portrayed in the Besorah, um, we can easily take them out of context. I believe this is where a lot of confusion within religious circles is coming from. It's from not being that good Berean to go back and say, where was this coming from? You know, because as they were referring to scripture, as they taught, the only scripture they had was the Tanakh and most of the lost books of the Bible. They had all those. That's what they're referring to. Right. And it's been manipulated. So at this time, we have to see how we can match this back and forth. So saying that when I looked up this thing about a place, what is the place, this topos, this spot in space, right? In the heavenly realm that has a limited occupancy. Why? Because it's a narrow gate and a narrow path that you get, how you get there. And in Hebrew, it is H1004 is one of the possible Hebrew connections. And I think it's probably the most important one because it is simply the letter bet. Now, when you study out the letter bet, which, you know, I, I teach the, the audio class and I've done some, some pretty in-depth, in fact, bet's what I'm teaching on next week, next Monday. And so this Hebrew letter bet, it's all about being in an intimate 
relationship residing in this place of Yah. It, it's a reflection when you look at this, at the Hebrew letter in the way, in the pictograph, the way it's formed, you can see it. It's a, it's almost like a spiral and it's a reflection of your inner life reflecting out because you are in relationship. It's all about relationship. I always find it fascinating that Yah chose to start his word to us with the letter bet. Why? Because it was all about the fact that he desired to have a family, a people that would reside with him in the heavenly places for eternity. And this is the next thing on the calendar. When Yahusha comes back for us, you know, Bo Yahusha Bo, come Yahusha come, right? So that we may begin that chapter of history. Amazing. All right. So going back to the Bessera portion in John 14, three, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know, well, Tom said unto him, this is the, this is the disciple that said, I'm not going to believe that he's really risen from the dead unless I can physically put my hand into his side and see physically the place where his nails was. And Yahusha gave him that opportunity too. So this was the disciple that had trouble with faith. And he's saying, I don't get what you're talking about. I can see this very black and white type personality, right? You know, where does it say this? Show me. <laughs> and we all know, you know, that type of, of the black and white thinking, thinking. It's hard sometimes to get out of our head, especially if you're really smart and intellectual. You can intellectualize things too much. If you've ever been in a midrash, you can watch people, you know, just tear the scriptures apart to where it exhausts people instead of edifies them. And that can easily happen. And that's that's not a good thing. So Tom said unto him, Adonai, we know not whither you go. And how can we know the way? Yahushua said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man, no man, no one, not, it doesn't matter if you are physically of the bloodline of, of Yehuda and you can prove it back to whatever generation you want right? I've been confronted about this so many times by people who say that there is an exception to this. No, Yahusha said, no man comes unto the father, but by me. That's it. He is the door. There is no other way in. I don't care what theology people try to twist. Scripture says, Yahusha himself told us, there is no other door. He's it. You go through him or you don't get in. If you had known me, you should have known my father also. And from henceforth, you know him and have seen him. Philip said unto him, Adonai, show us the father and it would suffice us. So here's another of his Talmud and saying, I'm not getting it. 
right? Yahushua said unto him, have I been so long time with you and yet you have not known me, Philip? He, he's like, do you not see who I am? He that has seen me has seen the father. And how say you then, show us the father. Believe you not that I am in the father and the father in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the father that dwells in me, he does the works. Believe me that I am in the father and the father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Amen, amen, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You know, I've seen a lot of people misconstrue some things about this too. The thing is, we've got to be in such relationship with him that the only things that we're praying for is in his will. <laughs> it's in his will. And then we, what we do, we see miracles. I've seen them. I've seen them this year. I've watched a friend be healed of leukemia this year, <laughs> you know, and I, 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 I heard the prophetic word that it was going to happen while he was laying in the hospital you know, getting ready to have to go on to a ventilator. And I heard the prophetic word come out of my voice when he asked me to pray for him, that he would live and not die. And not only that, but that when he got through his bout with COVID, that he was going to be retested for the leukemia that he'd been battling for a few years, and they weren't going to be able to find any trace. And you know what? It happened. It happened this year. All right. Early this year. So I know Yah is working miracles today and he works through us. It's not that we're doing anything. It's not that we're doing any great works. It's just that Yah's flowing through us because of our relationship with him and great works are being accomplished in his name, right? It's a beautiful, wonderful thing. Good morning, Nina. Good to see you. Um, so back here, he says, where am I at? Okay. So, and whatsoever ye ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Before I get to this point, this next point, I just want to back up. I was just talking about, you know, how Yahusha is the only door in. And I'm so strident about that because I've been in the messianic circles now for over 20 years, you know, the Hebrew roots movement, whatever you want to call it. This is, this has been my life. I walked away from the church system. I was a, a pastor in the church system, you know, 20 years ago and Yah showed me what he showed me. And I walked away from it in 2002. Um, what I have seen, I have seen many, many, many try to to realize that in the church, we were celebrating pagan things with, with Christmas, with Easter, you know, these things. And so I have watched them swing. And, and I know why, because you feel betrayed. Like when you've been doing something and you've been doing it with all your heart and you've been faithful and you've been serving in the church and that's all that you knew. 
That relationship is real that you have with Yah. And then he somehow, however he does it in your life, chooses to, to peel back the veil and say, listen, this is what I want. I want you celebrating my Shabbat. I want you celebrating my feast. I, you know, these are the ways that you walk with me. And we see it and we realize that the religious system that even introduced us to him in the first place, or, and that was the only way we really knew that all those things are, are come from pagan sources. And we feel betrayed by that. You know, especially if we find out that most of the pastors that are doing it knew, right? That it's very, it's, it's, it's shocking, right? And so then we swing because we see then, you know, the, the Jewish community doing these things that we now can see in the word are right, honoring the Shabbat, honoring the feast. And so we swing where away over. And this is what I have seen is that people tend to feel betrayed and they project that onto Yah and Yahusha as if they were the ones who lied. And, and, and then they fall in love with all the religious symbology and things that come from Judah, because there's a lot of, of things that come with it. You know, there's the tzitzits and the talits and the kippahs and the menorahs and the shofars and the this and the that. And, and some of this is wonderful things and they add to the faith. Others of it are um, just as pagan as the stuff that we were doing in the church, right? And so it's like jumping out of the frying pan and jumping into the fire. Yahusha is truth. He is the living water. And this is where the truth lies. And he desires to have a relationship with us based in truth and in fact. And he was the one confronting all this stuff when he was on the earth. He was like, all this stuff they're telling you to do, this is burdensome. This is not, this is not our way. This is not the path, right? And so he confronts it. But what I'm finding is there is such teaching in this, in this movement, and you can find it everywhere. They start denying Paul. They start questioning everything that we see in the New Testament without being good Bereans. And before you know it, they're questioning Yahusha and they're denying Messiah and, and walking away from salvation. And it's one of the saddest things I've ever seen. So I do talk about that and, and say, don't walk in that way. Let's keep digging. Let's keep looking and comparing what we see in the Tanakh, in the scriptures that have been given to us and compare and dig in the New Testament and find out what's being said, because it is a consistent word from the first bait right to the very end of Revelation, right? It is a consistent word. We have to apply our minds and our thoughts and our study to understand that and not be swayed by religious opinion of man. Okay. So Yahusha promises us the Ruach HaKadosh. And picking back up in John 14, 15, it says, if you love me, guard my commandments. And I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the Ruach Emet. Now, what is that Ruach Emet? This is, this word is truth. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is what he told us. This, this Ruach Emet is found in Isaiah 11, 2, and is a promise of, of our comforter. It's, it's what it's why Yahushua told the disciples to wait in the upper room for the gift that would be given. And this is only one of the seven aspects of the fullness that he gave us so that we could follow him correctly. All right. So even the Ruach Emet, whom the world cannot receive, right? Because the world doesn't want anything to do with truth. <laughs> That's why they can't receive it because it sees him not. They can't even discern truth, right? Neither knows him, but ye know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you this ruach of truth this is our gift hold on to it tightly right he says i will not leave you comfortless i will come to you yet a little while and the world sees me no more but ye see me because i live ye shall live also right He's talking eternity. He's talking spiritual sight. This is how we see him today. He is his, he is more real to me than most everybody that I even deal with. I, I wake up and I am aware of his presence. I, I know he is right there. You know, I, I can feel it as I'm even doing this. Yahusha is with me. You know, he, he is alive and well, right? He has conquered death hell in the grave and he will never leave me or forsake me and and when you have that relationship with him he will never leave you or forsake you either because he is no respecter of persons he doesn't he we he, we don't impress him <laughs> i don't care how smart we are i don't care what our giftings are he looks at the heart we do not impress him. And this is what I love about Lee um, Carruthers sharing over and over about who we are at Heart of the Tribe. I know exactly. I totally agree with her. We're nobodies. <laughs> We're not anybody, right? We're just people who love the word and have a desire to share it. That's all that we are. We are nobodies. And that's a good thing, right? <laughs> all righty. So, he that has my commandments and guards them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my father and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So I wanted to look at this word manifest. Okay. It is, um, oh, thank you, Tammy. I'm glad you, you guys are enjoying it. Love you, Lee. <laughs> All right. Manifest G1718. M it means to show oneself, right? To come into view, to declare, to make known, right? This is like a, and it, it is, it's a spiritual sight, right? It, it's something that no, physically, I can't see his presence. It doesn't mean he's not here with me. I mean, I can feel his presence. I sense his presence. I hear his voice. I hear the still small voice. It's not a, it's not sounding out like in the room that I'm in, but it's within me because he is, 
He has set up a dwelling place within my very being that enables me to hear him. My Ruach that that fellowships with him is alive and well and will live for all eternity and be in fellowship with him. What a beautiful thing. So when I looked up this, this word to find the corresponding Hebrew, what I found was H3045. It is one of the corresponding Hebrew words and it is Yada. And it's the one that really resonated with me because I know I've studied Yada. It, it's a, it's a, there's a, it's a cord that can't be broken. You know, it's a level of relationship that is solid. It's so solid. It can't be torn apart. It is Yada, right? This word is about intimacy as of a married couple, engaged couple. This is a close heart-to-heart relationship. David and Yahweh were yada, right? We see it in all the close relationships in scripture between Yahweh and his people. He spoke with Moshe face-to-face, right? It means to know someone on an intimate level, that kind of relationship where you can finish each other's sentences. My husband and I laugh so hard. We call it the Wagner stereo system because we'll even just be watching something or we'll hear something. And both of us at the same time say the exact same thing. It happens all the time with us because we've, the two have become one. We think alike. You know, our our thinking patterns are so similar that the words end up matching, you know, and we end up saying the exact same thing. We are on the same page. We are Yada. And what's wonderful is a three chord strand is not easily broken. And what happens is it's not just my husband and I having a relationship that's Yada, but we have a, you each have our own Yada relationship with Yahusha, Yah. And so that brings this to this three chord strand, you know, that is not going to be broken very easily because he's the center of our home. All right. So you've become Ikad in heart and in purpose and are able to work together because you are not competing, but complementing. This is the whole thing at Heart of the Tribe, how we've set this up. This is why we call it coming under the Mishkan together, right? Underneath, we're, we're part, we know we're part of the Living Stones Tabernacle. We know we're part of the same body of Yahusha, and we do not want to harm our own body. This is, you know, when you look at it that way and you understand head to toe, he's the head. We are the body system, right? And we are to work together. And this is what's so fun about what Lee Carruthers and I are doing, studying that out from the physical. You know, it says first in the physical, then in the supernatural, right? We're told that, that this is how things work. Things, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, it's already in operation working this way. It's our job to you know, those that take the kingdom, right? We're to take the kingdom. We're to to bring this together, right? And it's not always done so easily, <laughs> but this is our job is to get this to working in the correct order. We are to, to work at this on earth. This is our prayer. 
So I found this interesting with this whole concept, and it is in Psalm 20, starting in verse 6 and going through 9. It says, Now know I that Yahweh saves his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. This is the Yod, right? You can see it in the pictograph. His right hand, it reaches down from the arm to the elbow to the hand that reaches out. Okay. It says, now know I that Yahweh saves his anointed, those whom he has a relationship with. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of Yahweh Eloheinu. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save Yahweh. Let the king hear us when we call. This is relationship. We hear him. He hears us. And back to the Besorah in John 14, 22. Yehuda said unto him, not, not Judas Iscariot, right? But, but another Yahuda, all right? Adonai, how is it that you will manifest yourself unto us and not unto the world? Yahusha answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will guard my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. We will literally reside within that person's being, right? He that loves me not, he that loves me not, guards not my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. He's telling us the father and I are one. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Ruach HaKadosh, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and will bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. This is our comfort when we are in a tough spot and we need a word in season. Right then, we are promised because of the comforter, because of the Ruach HaKadosh, that we will hear what we need to hear. We will hear a voice saying unto us, this is the way, walk in it. Right? We're promised that. He, he has not left us forsaken. Peace, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The comforter is parakletos, okay? This is the Greek word. In, in the Strong's, it is G3875. Um, it is the one who pleads another's cause before the judge. <laughs> it is a pleader, the counsel for our defense. 
It is our legal assistance and advocate. I look at it this way. I picture the courtroom of heaven and I can see, you know, the Ruach working through the words of Yahusha in this instance. And I see Hasatan coming and saying, you know what? She did this. She did this. She did this. She did this. And, and I have to stand there and listen to that and go, that's true. I did. I did. But then my advocate, my defense attorney steps in for me and says, excuse me, judge. She's covered in the blood of Yahusha. And the judge goes, oh, case dismissed. Case dismissed. His blood takes care of it all. And this is the comfort that we have, right? What more comfort do we need than that? Than to know that we have been forgiven of our grievous and many sins. And I know that that is very true for me. You know, it was funny. Um, Debari and I were having a little bit of a discussion about that last night. Kat, Kate and I were having, Kat and I were having a discussion about that. Um, you know, we know we're, we're well aware of the magnitude of what we have been forgiven for. It's an, it's amazing. I mean, how can you help, but have love and comfort in that? Okay, so I did see one possible Hebrew equivalent that kind of resonated with me. And this was in 5162 Nakam. It means to have compassion, to console, to comfort, to literally be moved by pity by someone's state. And this is where I saw this word used. It was in Genesis 24, 64 through 67. And this is when... Um, um, Yitzhak's mother, Sarah had died, right? And she was very old, right? She was 90 when she got pregnant with him, right? And they had a very special, can you imagine having longed for a child your whole life? And finally at 90 years old, you become pregnant. And uh, I mean, how would you feel about that treasured baby? Can you imagine the closeness that they had? Uh, very much so. When you read in Jasher, their story, it really comes alive. If you've never read that, let me encourage you to read that. It's beautiful. So here's what it was. And Rivka, who was coming to be Isaac's wife, Rivka lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Yitzhak, she lighted off the cam camel. She was delighted to meet him, right? She was thrilled that she had been brought to be this man's wife. For she had said unto the servant, what man is this that walks in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, it is my Adonai. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Yitzhak all things that he had done. And Yitzhak brought her into his mother, Sarah's tent. And he took Rivka and she became his woman. And he loved her. And Yitzhak was comforted after his mother's death. All right. Also, I believe in Jeremiah, starting in 31, uh, I'm sorry, Jeremiah 31, starting in verse 31 also, I saw a real connection to this. It says, behold, the days come, 
says Yahweh, that I will cut a renewed covenant with the house of Yashorel and with the house of Yahudah. All right. This is the beauty. This is our, this is our promise. It is a renewed covenant, not a done away with, not one that was thrown away and trashed in a, something brand new had to be put in its place, but the covenant had been broken because the people had not been faithful to the covenant. It was not Yah who had been unfaithful. It was us. So what did he do in his graciousness, in his mercy, but give us a renewed covenant out of his mercy and his grace? All right. So he's cut this renewed covenant, not according to the covenant that I cut with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Mitzrayim, which my covenant they broke. Although I was a husband a yada husband unto them, says Yahweh. But this shall be the covenant that I will cut with the house of Yasharel. After those days, says Yahweh, I will put my Torah, my living word, in their inward parts in a way that we can hear it, right? In my inward parts. And I'm going to literally write it, engrave it upon their hearts. And I will be their Elohim and they shall be my people. I will bring them into the house, right? That's what, uh, when you are his, you're brought into his house and they shall teach no more every man, his neighbor and every man, his brother saying, no, Yahweh. He means I'll be done with people like shall getting on YouTube and brighty on and whatever, trying to teach my word because everyone's going to know me. <laughs> There won't be any need for that, right? And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, no, Yahweh, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, says Yahweh, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Thus says Yahweh, which gives the sun for a light by day and the ordinances of the moon and the stars for a light by night, which divides the sea when the waves thereof roar. Yahweh Zavaot is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, says Yahweh, then the seed of Yasharel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Oh, I didn't make this big. Hold on. Let me make this bigger. Let me do this so I can finish it up. Okay. All righty. Here's where I was. Okay. So back to the Besserah portion. We're in John 14, 28. You've heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I go into the father and my father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass that when it has come to pass, ye might believe hereafter, I will not talk much with you for the prince of this world comes and has nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do, arise and let us go hence. And then the last part, chapter 15, I am the vine of truth, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. 
And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. He's like, even if you're doing good, I'm going to come through and I'm going to start pruning you and lop off branches so that you will will come back even better and and have more fruit. (laughs) Now ye are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. Abide in me. Live in me, he's saying. Let your being be in me. In him, we we live and move and have our existence, right? Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine. Ye are the Nazarene. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Again, you can see there's a condition on this asking what you will in the Father's name, and it'll be done unto you. It comes, the condition is, are you in yada relationship with me so that it is my desire that you're asking for? (laughs) It's not your desire. It's what I desire. And when we're in context with him, our prayers are powerful. Herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my Talmudim. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If in my love, if you guard my commandments, the ten devarim. All right. This is what he's talking about. If you guard them, ye shall abide in my love even as I have guarded my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken unto you that my joy, (laughs) that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full, right? He's saying, I want you to have a joyful life. I want you. And it's not about You know, like happiness is very fleeting, right? I mean, you can be happy because you're going on vacation and then you get there and it rains the whole time, (laughs) right? You can, you can be happy that something, you know, is uh, with a new car and then your first payments do. (laughs) The shine wears off happiness. Joy is a different thing. Joy comes from yada. Joy comes from being in that relationship. It's his joy, right? In knowing that you've been called by name, in knowing that you're forgiven, in knowing that you're in partnership to proclaim the things of the kingdom that because you're in partnership with the king, there's joy, right? It's joy in watching Someone's life changed because Yah gave you a word to speak and you saw the lights go on. And and now that person has changed. Their whole outlook has changed and they desire to live and, and be in relationship with Yah. That's joy. That's real joy. And nothing of this world has the ability to rob you of it. 
right? It can't be taken away. It doesn't rust. It doesn't mold. It doesn't fade. It's real. Happiness is fleeting. It can, it can change with the weather, right? So here's my commandment. I'm in John 15, 12. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. How did he love us? Sacrificially. Sacrificially. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Right before he said this, he was washing the feet of Judas Iscariot, who was getting ready to betray him. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. He's saying, you want to be in friendship with me? Walk in my path. <laughs> do what I've told you to do, right? Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knows not what his Adonai does, but I have called you friends, yada, right? For all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known unto you. I've given you the secrets and the keys to the kingdom. This is what he's saying. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of, my, of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. It means in, in line with my desires. To ask something in his name means I understand what you've taught me. I I'm in keeping and in guarding what you've taught me, Yahusha, and my prayers are in like nature and ability and in conjunction with your will, right? That's praying in his name. It's what does his name represent? It's not a magic word. It's not, you know, well, we said it the right way. It's I, I, this drove, drove me crazy in the church system with, you know, well, you know, give into this anointed offering, get come up for this anointed prayer. And if you've given your money, well, then this is going to be as if something was a, a, as if Yah was a genie in a bottle. Well, he's not. He is not a genie in a bottle and we can't snap our fingers or pray a certain prayer while we pat our hat self on the head while rubbing our tummy and speaking a certain phrase and suddenly things are going to work out the way we want. That's ridiculous. It's, it's not about that. It's about relationship. It's about being sold out to him. It's about caring deeply about what he thinks about our behavior and the words of our mouth and our actions. That's relationship. So I love this. Ask, you shall ask of the father in my name. He may give it you. These things I command you that you love one another. If the world hates you, Ye know that it hated me before it hated you, right? When we're persecuted for our walk, it's a hatred. Hasatan can't get to get to Yahusha. 
Yahusha went down. He descended into the depths of hell and he took the keys of authority. He ripped them right back off of Hasatan and he holds the keys to the kingdom. He has defeated death, hell, and the grave, right? He hates Hasatan, our adversary, hates our king. And he is so deceived because this was the curse that was put upon him. When you look at Ezekiel 28, it says that he is divided, right? When you look at the wording in the Hebrew, and I don't have time to go into it right now, but literally there was a division. So when Yahushua was saying, a kingdom divided against itself shall not stand. He was mocking Hasatan because that was what he was cursed with because of his rebelliousness. He was given a curse that he was divided within himself, that he believes his own lies. That's the curse that's on him. And so that's what that whole thing was about. A house divided against itself shall not stand. He's saying, you will never succeed, Hasatan. You have been cursed with the curse to where you can't even reconcile your own thoughts. They will not line up. They are divided. You are so deceived that you think that you can win this battle. That's the curse. It's amazing, isn't it, Nina? I know it. Yep, I love this. I love this from, from Jen. Yah is not a slot machine. Put in a quarter and get back a blessing. Absolutely, sister. <laughs> that he is not. <laughs> he is not. Yep. Alrighty. So if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. This is where you see all the success and, you know, certain things being successful. It's, it's very worldly stuff. And you can even see it in ministry, right? There are certain things that the world loves. They love fear. <laughs> it's like, it's like when that term fear porn is very accurate. People are fascinated by evil. We are not to be fascinated by evil. Why do we want to be fascinated by somebody who is so deceived, you know, that that curse that's been put on him, that he believes his own lies. They don't know when you're following after that and you're trying to figure it all out and what's coming next. You're just following the, the one who's cursed, you know, you're not going to figure that out. Not from that view. All right. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. We are in the world, but not of it. Right? That's what he's saying. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Adonai. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have guarded my word, they will guard yours also. But all these things they will do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not, they had, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin, right? It was almost that whole system of Moshe that you see with the sacrificial system and the high priest, you know, that would go in once a year. There was a cloak, right? 
But but now the only way is Yahusha, right? There's no cloak. You can't, no animal, no blood of an animal is gonna, gonna erase the sin. It's Yahusha and Yahusha only. That's it. He that hates me hates my father also. If and, and think about this with everybody who's running to their authority to understand the things of the Torah, they are running to an authority that hates the Messiah. You've got to get that in context. I see people running in droves after things of the Talmud, after things of the Zohar, after things of the Mishnah. Don't you understand they hate him? They hate our Mashiach. They despise him. They don't believe in him. Worse than that, they hate him. He that hates me hates my father also. Why? Because they're a cod. They are one and the same. So they're thinking, you know, that we've done away and we're in righteousness because we're following the Torah and we're following this and we exalt the father. No, you don't. No, you don't. If you don't see Mashiach because he has come, right? And you don't know where we're at on the time clock, you're missing it. And you're going to be very surprised at the, and when it's all over. If I had not done among them the works which no other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But the thing, the word might be fulfilled, but that the, I'm sorry, but that the word might be fulfilled that is written in the writings. What is that? That's the Psalms the Proverbs, um, uh, those are the things, the wisdom books, right? Those are the writings when we look at the Tanakh. So, but that the word might be fulfilled that is written in the writings, they hated me without a cause. But when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the father, the Ruach Emet, the, the, the spirit of truth, the voice of truth, right? Which proceeds from the father. He shall testify of me and ye also shall bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. All right. That was our Bezerah portion. I thought it was going to take about 20 minutes. I've been talking for over an hour. All right. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being with me today. You guys are such a blessing. Yeah, this is so true. Jennifer, absolutely. They do. They all hate Yahusha because they want to build their own kingdom. Habad uh, Lubavitch. Absolutely. They hate Yahusha because they want to build their own kingdom of their understanding of righteousness. This is absolutely true. I've seen it, you know, and, and what frustrates me to no end is all these people that want to preach Yahusha, but do it from these sources that hate him. How do you think you're going to get truth about the master from people that hate and deny the master? I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I told a story not long ago about the fact that if somebody break bakes a pan of brownies and they come to me and I'm at a picnic and they said, you know what? 
I just took a little teeny, 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 tiny bit of dog poop and mixed it into these brownies. Do you think I'm going to eat those brownies? I don't care how minuscule it is, right? I'm not eating poop brownies. And so when I see this, this is all I can see when I see it. I'm like, why would you do this? Why do you want to follow people that deny Mashiach? Not me, not doing it, not going down that road. There's a narrow path and I'm going to do my very best to keep my feet on it. And I'm going to pray that he helps me keep my feet on that narrow path. All right. Thank you so much for participating. Love you guys. Um, we've got great stuff coming up today. Gosh, just in um, less than two hours, Chris McIntyre from South Africa is going to be bringing us out of, out of Africa. He's studying the book of Hebrews and he's digging deep and we're enjoying his content so much. And we're, we're so grateful that he is here and sharing with us. And then a little later uh, this evening, my husband's going to have his second installment of Saved by Grace. And I tell you, I... He uses, we use the same computer. We share the same desk. So you see him in the same background. And this is kind of like a wall in our living room that we made an office so that we could have an office and be able to broadcast, right? And so I sit behind in the chair and I can hear everything that he's saying. And last week as he told his story, I just sat there with tears just streaming down my face, praising Yah for what he's doing in my own husband's life and the courage that he's given my husband to share such intimate details of his life. And he's doing it because he wants people to know that if they're, if they're in as rough of a situation as he has lived through, that nothing is impossible for our Mashiach, that he's, he loves us and he sets us free and he gives us freedom and new life. And I'm so grateful for his courage and that Yah has prompted him to do this. And if I ever needed to know that I was on the right path by starting our own platform of Heart of the Tribe, watching everything that everybody's doing and, and seeing all these voices that have never been heard, including my own husband's, it wasn't possible unless I had made some, some different decisions. And, and some of it, you know, it, it was painful. I was being pruned. You know, it, who he whom he loves, you know, whom y'all loves, who is bearing fruit. He comes along and he starts whacking things off and it hurts, <laughs> but he does it so that they might bear more fruit. And that's exactly what has happened. And I'm thrilled about it. And I'm excited about what y'all is doing and nothing is impossible for him. So, all right. Love you guys. Have a wonderful day. Hope to see you guys all later back for the other shows. And hope you guys, I hope you guys will come join uh, Lee Carruthers and I tomorrow for the Heart of the Tribe show. We're doing Reuben and the urinary tract system. Wow. Have we got some explosive stuff? We'll be talking about Reuben's testament um, out of the lost books of the Bible. That's going to come into play with what we're, we're bringing forth tomorrow. So, all righty, I'm going to be quiet now and let you guys get on with your day and I'm going to get on with mine. Bye-bye.